Psalms 122. I want to read verse 1 and 2. I want to just talk for a short moment this morning from verse 1 and 2. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. I want to talk about this morning as we teach in the direction that we're going in. We're not teaching arbitrary lessons. We are going somewhere and we have to teach toward that end so that we can take these lessons and, and metamorphose them into action. A, a sermon that doesn't become an action is an exercise in wasting time. A sermon that doesn't move and, and morph into action that is not applied, where you don't take it and you make it part of your life, and it changes what you do and it changes how you think. If a sermon did that, and you deem it to be a very educational sermon, then it wasn't really a sermon that educated, and it might have been educational, but it didn't motivate. And so we want to listen and hear from God as to what, we, what he wants us to do. I want to talk about the power of an invitation. When we open this psalm, and psalms are not by chapters, by the way, if you're dealing with the psalm, I know it's a habit to say Psalms chapter 122, but does anybody know what we call Psalms? We call Psalms what? Divisions. We call them divisions because really, remember, originally the Bible was not segregated into books and the books and chapters and verses that came with publication after the scrolls of the scripture. And so all of that is a convenience for us. There was no chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, but there were divisions where David would write particular sections, and each section came with instructions or came with information that informed whoever would read it what the psalm was about. If you look carefully in your Bible, you'd see at the, at the head of the psalm in many of your publications that this psalm is identified as what's called a psalm of ascent. Everybody say ascent. How many, raise your hand if you see that. It might say a psalm of degrees or ascent. Raise your hand if you see that, okay? I don't know if these modern electronic Bibles that are hooked up to your phone may put all of that in there, but hopefully they do, you see that. That is not to be overlooked. That is not to be ignored. That is not to be something that you just pass off and just read over. Everything in the Bible has significance. The reason why this is called a psalm of ascent is because what this was written for. Ascent or the ascent or degrees, levels or progressions was based upon a travel caravan of Jews who would travel to Jerusalem. Now, what were they traveling to Jerusalem for? As a matter of fact, the Psalms of Ascent begin with Psalms 120 through 134. If you look in your Bible, they'll all say degrees or ascent. This psalm was written for Jews who did not live in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the capital. It was the main place. You might be familiar with some Islamic religions and, and Islam and Muslim religions where most Muslims in their lifetime try to make it to a place called Mecca. That's the capital. Well, uh, well uh, unlike the Muslims, we're, the Jews didn't try to make it to Mecca their main city was called Jerusalem. Everybody say Jerusalem. Be educated in here. Jerusalem, that Jerusalem 
ended with a suffix, Salem. Everybody say Salem. Salem is uh, a derivative from a Hebrew word called shalom. Shalom means peace. Shalom means tranquility. Shalom means, uh, means uh, tranquility. It means peace. It means, uh, it means calm. It means security. It means refuge. And so what Jews would do when they greet each other, they would say shalom. Peace be unto you. Shalom. Right? Jeru Shalom is the city of what? Of peace. All right, you're following. So Jerusalem, Jerusalem was the city of peace, right? And that was the place that would serve as the headquarters for the Jews. Just stay with me. In the middle of the city of peace was the temple of God. And so every so many months or so many times a year, particularly three or more, three or four times a year, Jews from all over the place would travel to the city of peace, the headquarters, and they would travel there to engage in what's called feast days or holidays or worship days. One worship day was the Passover, one was the Feast of Weeks, and one was the Booth, Feast of Booths, and there were other things they would travel for. So guess what? Because those Jews did not live near the city and they were coming from all over, what they would have to do would be go in caravans. This is before Delta Airlines. This is before American Airlines. This is before uh, uh, Southwest Airlines. This is before Frontier and Spirit where you got to pay for your luggage and pay for a glass of water and all that other stuff. Sorry, I lost it. This is before Buicks and Mercedes and Hondas. So this means in order for them to get there, they had to tra travel on muleback, on 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 camelback and walk. So in order to go to church in the Old Testament, these Jews would have to get together. They got together and they traveled. This psalm is interesting for several reasons. Number one, David writes this psalm, which is a song, and he says, I was glad. Everybody say, I was glad. He presents his attitude. He was happy. He rejoiced. Why did he rejoice? Did he rejoice because he was going to the house of the Lord? Ah, the eye that misses details will say that he's happy because he's going to worship. But it's more than him being happy because he's going to the house of the Lord. Look carefully. I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. If you think shallow right here, you're going to miss this. He was not simply happy about where. He was happy about the invitation to go. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He wasn't just happy because he was going to church. He was happy because, watch this, not just one person, but they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Now, well, let me show you what that means in Jewish culture. And in this time, that means that they were not just inviting him by giving him the address. They were inviting him onto the journey because they traveled in caravans. Just stay with me. 
And so David is saying, I was glad, I rejoice when I got an invitation to go into the house of the Lord. Now you say, okay, that's history. Ah, oh, that's not, it's just not mere history. Because whenever we refuse to invite people to the house of the Lord, we, what we, we hinder potentially somebody's glad moment. The assumption is everybody's going to church. No, 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 no. These people were so excited about where they were going that they didn't keep it a secret. Let me tell you something about worshiping this time. It was not, it was not commercialized like today. It wasn't about sitting in pews and sitting in buildings, carpeted buildings and the luxury and seats that are plush and make you comfortable and lull you to sleep if you're not careful. It involved a commitment. The commitment was not just going or getting there, but the commitment was the journey. And David said, when I was invited to go to the house of the Lord, I was glad. Why would David be glad? He's glad because the invitation included being part of a caravan. Come on, Maurice. Now, I'm going to tell you what that means, church. We're talking about the power of an invitation. The invitation was not just to the destination. The invitation was to the journey. In this day and time, we invite people to the destination. But you know what gets people ready for the destination? The journey. I remember taking, taking the kids to Great Wolf Lodge, and Carol and I, we decided we're going to do that for ourselves. It was one of the times we, we had a little money. We said, we're going to Great Wolf Lodge. And there was another time we went to SeaWorld in San Antonio, went with the berries. We had a good time. Do you not know their joy didn't get stimulated when we got there? Do you know when they thought and looked back and said that was a good trip, they're not just talking about SeaWorld. They're talking about getting in the car together, eating in the car together, stopping at gas stations, everything that involved the journey. Because guess what? If you do not endure the journey and if you cannot appreciate the journey, it lessens how you appreciate the destination. So watch this. So, uh, so what you had is caravans, and everybody in the caravan, uh, it wasn't just one person in the caravan. So if you're part of this caravan, come on on. I want you to see this. We're talking about the power of an invitation. We teach in the direction we're going in. Gerald said something in, in his singing. Oh, good. Look at this caravan. Come on, caravan. Now, this is what the caravan looked like. You had this group of people, families. They brought their own food for the journey. So to invite somebody to go was to not just invite them to the destination, but to invite them to their food. Y'all don't miss this. Because sometimes we get divorced from the involvement of the journey. It was not only to invite them to the destination, it was to invite them, watch this, in spite of whatever they brought with them so here's the caravan they're going and and we sing songs we're marching to zion beautiful beautiful zion how many of you know that that's about this 
Zion was another name for Jerusalem. You know why they were marching there? They were marching there because they were going to worship. The beautiful city of God. They were going to worship. That's not a song for us to sit in the pew, sit down, and be marching. You take a Jew from that time, a person from that time who's part of the people of God, and you bring them to this time as we sing we're marching to Zion, sitting in plush seats, don't want to stand, don't really like to be inconvenienced, and they would laugh us to scorn because what worship meant to them was not only a destination but a journey. So there's the caravan, and they're going, they're going, they're traveling to worship. There's the caravan. Now watch this. They, guess what? They're taking care of kids on the way. They have their families and their loved ones. It was a family thing. And then the invitation. Okay, you looked in the wrong direction, but I'm, I'm, I'm being invited. I don't know who you invited from there. Okay, you got another person invited. Now watch what happens. And then we're going to make this make sense. What happens now is they cannot go like they were going before the invitees. Let's just say I was one of the invitees and I've got something wrong. Guess what I bring? I bring my crippledness into the caravan. I'm bringing my deficiency into the caravan. I'm bringing bringing my my lameness into the caravan. What does that mean for the whole caravan? It means they can't walk like they were walking before they invited me. Are you understanding this? I'm going somewhere. This means once they invite me, guess what happens? Not only is his family under their care, but I am. We live in a society that wants to see you at church but don't want to see you in the journey of the week. We live in a society, Gerald said it, individual. Yeah, your praise and worship is individual, but we are not going to grow as the people of God trying to be individual, trying to do it ourselves. No one is going to heaven that wants to be the only one there. We got a real example. I don't know if you were part of it, but good, good move. So now, guess what? The same caravan going to the same destination has to move. But now it has to tolerate people who hinder the speed upon which they move. Now the caravan goes. What happens is, beautiful, it's organically happening. (laughs) What happens is, those in the caravan minister to people they've invited and keep heading in the same direction. This psalm was a song, which means they didn't wait to get to worship to worship. So now they're singing. When, some of y'all can't sing. Just don't worry about that. You get a pass. You get a pass. They're singing and ministering. Singing and ministering. Go. You can get on stage. Go around caravan. Now, people reposition themselves to help. Guess what happens? Somebody in here is obstructed. Watch this. With a wolf or predator. 
Because the journey was long and there had, there were so many things that could have stopped them. So many hindrances, so many obstructions, so many dangers. So now I'm dealing with a predator. Guess what the caravan does? The caravan doesn't say, well, you should have stayed with us. (laughs) Now the caravan has to come and help whoever they invited with their struggle so that they can stay with the group to the holy city. Say amen if that makes sense. That makes sense, right? Here's the thing about this song. David was a king. When you and I refuse to invite people, we don't know who we're not inviting. Kings are resourceful. When you get comfortable coming to church by yourself, and that's your church, this is your church home, but it's not a closed home. The people of God ought to extend invitations. When you sit there and look back and see empty pews and say, ain't nobody here, my question to you before you get caught up in yourself is how many folk you invite? Because you don't get to say, there's nobody coming if you're not inviting anybody. Say amen if you receive that. I give it in love. Now watch this. Thank you, caravan. Let's thank the caravan of love. Every woman, every man, join the caravan of love. Thank you, caravan. And one really needs help. Yes. So the caravan has to be patient because if you're not ready for the responsibility that comes with new people, stop. You're not ready to invite them. That's right. Hello. That's the word. One of the things mama did, uh, mama did, and I'm seeing it replicated even with little mama, big mama, wife mama. My big mama's my mother. But we call the wife mama sometime. But I see it replicated. And it's, it's with you too, you too, you know. It, you know, when somebody says, I'm coming over. Number one, we get offended if they're coming over uninvited. You know, the power of an invitation also is when I invite you, I'm saying I want you here. It is a contradiction and a paradox of speech to invite someone that you don't want there. It is also a paradox of behavior to invite somebody when you're not ready to receive them. The power of the invitation is not only in desire of you wanting them there and the willingness to be patient and to, guess what, be ready to minister to whatever that looks like, but the power of the invitation is also in being prepared. So, you know, every now and then somebody will come and uh, one of the girls will invite somebody or I invite somebody or or, uh, Carol will invite somebody. And I'm sure you can relate to this. And uh, nobody else knows about the invitation. And it's beautiful because the they speak together. I was glad when they. I'm sure all of them didn't come as a group and say invited. But there was some representative that that said, come on. 
But when that representative said, come on, and gave the invitation, everybody subjected themselves to that invitation, which means like it is sometimes when one person invites and somebody else finds, oh, no, you didn't tell me they were coming over. Guess what happens? The same thing that happens at your home sometimes. You start moving mail around that you don't want them to see. You take the room that nobody's quite sleeping in a lot and you take all the garbage and refuse and clothes and everything that you, piles you should have washed and stuff that's due to be washed and stuff that's due to be dried and guess what? You make a whole nother junk room in your house. What is that called? You, you know, some of you, 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 you hide your, you know, you may have spirits, but you may hide your spirits. I have one. You hide your spirits. Nobody's going to say amen right now because that would be self-indicting. And I get that. You have an alcohol-free house. Praise God. But you hide whatever. Now, I know that's funny and comical, but that's all part of the process of preparing. A church is not ready to invite people if it is unprepared. One of the parts of preparing is you've got to have acceptance. It says, I accept you no matter what color you are. I accept you no matter what infirmity you have. I accept you no matter what your habits are. I accept you. Why? Because because when we get where we're going. See, this journey is a deliverance to the person who knows you before you joined the caravan. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of who? Of the who? Of the who? Of the Lord. And we have to be careful not to treat the Lord's house like it belongs to us. Okay, now, 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 let, me, let, me just, let me just show you some theological points. We got really practical there. But I want to show you something. David wrote this. This is a song of degrees. And I like to say, I like to say the journey for us is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's the journey. You got a new bill on Monday. (laughs) All right? Had an argument with your spouse on Tuesday. Good things, too. Your kids brought home A's and B's, and it's on the A honor roll on Wednesday. (laughs) Thursday, you go to the doctor, and they say they want you to come back because they need to look at something a second time. Friday, you you think it's going to be good. It's Friday night. You just got paid. So you're just kind of chilling out. Saturday comes and you, you're at games. You're at your kids' games. You're at this, that, and the other. You got to explain to your kid what it means to lose and how to be a, not to be a sore loser because their team lost. You got to do this and that. The other, you're doing honeydews. You're going here and there. You're getting your hair done. You're getting your nails done. You're doing whatever you do on Saturday. That's the journey. Meaning worship is just not about a place. It's about a disposition. And when you come into the place of worship without a heart of worship, then you got to be cranked and you've got to be given a boost like a car with a dead battery. And people that are not happy about their own product needs to stop trying to sell it. 
right? Don't try to tell me your new found deodorant made out of pure uh, shea butter. This is shea butter deodorant. It's new on the market. Nobody has it. You can double it out and use this deodorant as a hand uh, lotion. And you talking to me with ashy hands and stinking. Okay. Oh, God. Oh, God. Let me hurry. Okay, so this psalm was written by David. Here's the thing. <clears throat> the house of the Lord was, was the temple. The city of God was the, was the city. That was where it was. In the middle of Jerusalem, the city of peace, was the temple where they would offer sacrifices and worship. David wrote this before the temple existed. Let me show you something. Go to 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 22 and verse number 5. 1 Chronicles chapter 22 and verse number 5. Say amen if you're understanding this. Okay, if you understand it, it means do it. Be ye doers of the word and not what? Hearers only. You can't just hear it. You got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. Invite. There's power in invitation. Invite. But live your life in such a way that they're not surprised that they get an invitation to church from you. Okay? Watch this. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles, we got readers? Go ahead. David said. David said. My son Solomon is young and inexperienced. My son is young and inexperienced. Solomon is his name. Read. And the house that is to be built for the Lord. The house that's supposed to be built for the Lord. Shall be, shall be exceedingly magnificent. Shall be an exceedingly magnificent house. Famous and glorious throughout all that lands. He uses the word glory. Watch this. Glorious and famous. Right? That house, that temple that's supposed to be in the city of Shalom. It's glorious. Watch this. Therefore, now I will make preparation for it. Since Solomon is too young and timid, and he doesn't have the knowledge base, he's not ready to build it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make preparation for it. Read. So David made ample preparations before his death. So watch this. David did not build the temple. He was dead before he built the temple. The house of the Lord, not the tabernacle of the Lord, which was what was there before the house. Tabernacles are temporary. Houses are more permanent. For we know that if this earthly house of this tabernacle, temporary, be dissolved, we have a building of God, a house, permanent, not made with hands. You get that? David is writing a song based on an experience that he only had faith about and never had. Why? David died and he did not build the temple. His son Solomon comes along and builds the house of the Lord. But before David died, he saw with his faith what it would be like. And he says, I was glad 
when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord and left a song for people who would come after his death, a song that they can sing on their way to the house of God, letting them know that it's important to invite people onto the caravan. I may not be there, but God is telling me prophetically that you need to sing this song that I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And that's, and, and here's the point. Some of us may not be here to see what will become of this place, of this church, but give somebody a song to sing. Help somebody understand that whenever you get there, if I'm not with you, maintain this attitude that you don't go into the house of the Lord mad. Be glad when somebody says, let us go into the house of the Lord. David never had the experience. And then in his mind, when he gets there, he says, we're standing in the gates of Jerusalem. Some of you are in a fierce journey right now. But the house of the Lord is not literal today like it was literal back then. Now, Temples couldn't house the Lord. That couldn't happen. No house, no temple can house him. But that was a place, so that wasn't for God. It wasn't for God to dwell in because a temple can't contain God. God is awfully small if a church building can contain him. We all leave and God stay in here and say, see you next Sunday. That's not what it's about. We are the temple of God. And as I said a few weeks ago, what you have is you have some rejoicing temples coming to the gathering to rejoice together. And it's not the worship that gets us. It's the journey. It's the stuff that happens along the way. Revelation 21, 10, there is another Jerusalem. There's another city of peace. It's not in the Middle East. It's not physical. There are no physical gates. But there is what's called a new Jerusalem. And the reason why old Jerusalem and this psalm was a psalm of ascent is because the way they traveled, because Jerusalem was on a hill, it means it wasn't a walk. It was a climb. And I wonder if there's anybody in here that knows it takes more effort to climb than it does to walk. Takes more out of you to climb and deal with what you're dealing with. And some of us are stressed sometimes. And some of us are beat up when we come here sometimes. Because we're not only climbing, but we're dealing with depression. We're climbing and we're dealing with messed up relationships. We're climbing and we're dealing with financial despair. We're climbing and we're dealing with the loss of loved ones. And this person died. And it's hard to climb, especially when you have a terrain that offers you no help. Revelation 21, 
Verse number 10 says this. And he carried me away mm -hmm. in the spirit to a great mountain, mm -hmm. a great and high mountain, mm -hmm. and showed me the holy city. Whoa, Jerusalem. there's that great and high mountain. Watch this. This is not the Jerusalem they knew in Psalms and in the Old Testament. But it has all of the same attributes, a great and holy city. Read. Coming down out of, out of heaven from God. Coming down out of heaven from God. Read. Having the glory of God. The glory of God. Her brilliance was like very costly stone. Mm. A stone of crystal. Do you crystal see this? Just as beautiful. But this was not old Jerusalem. This was the new Jerusalem. And the new Jerusalem, folks, is heaven. And the center of heaven is the very embodiment of the glory of God, Jesus. And guess what we're on now? That would mean? It would mean that if heaven is Jerusalem, the city of peace, then that means life for the child of God is a journey. Set your affections on things above and not on things on. And if life is our journey, if we sing psalms and songs and say prayers of ascent, then based on Psalms 122, we should have more at the end of the journey than we did when we started. Because the invitation now is just not ours. It's God's. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you tranquility. I will give you rest. I will give you peace. Because the only person that can give you the rest that comes in the city of peace is the prince of peace. So if you're here, I, I'm not trying to just talk about inviting the church, even though that was the practical thing. Everybody invite. Stop assuming that they don't want to come. You may find that somebody's glad just because of your invitation. Let the Lord's house be filled here, the place of worship for the people of God. Let it be filled, and it's not going to, guess what? Swag will only get you so far. Charisma will only get us so far. Stop depending on the praise leaders to get people here. That's the lackadaisical, slothful way out. I do is, a, you know, they keep singing. And sometimes we leaders get caught into that. Well, we got this and we got that and we got that and we got that and we're doing this and we're doing that and we got the preacher, you got the singers, you got this and you got the, we got the, our, the, we, this church has elders and this and that and the other. And we're talking about everything but our part of inviting. There is no substitute for you saying, let us go. Amen.
Next time you talk to your neighbor and, and you talk to your neighbor, your coworker, you know, after you talk about what happened to the person that got fired and why they got fired from the job, after you stand around the water cooler and talk about, yeah, my, I got my hair done with this, that, and the other, and yeah, she, there's a beautician here. After you give your references on child care because my kids go to this child care service and they're really good and this and that. After you do all of that, when the smoke of your social talk clears, somebody who comes and represents God needs to say, let us go. Let us go. If you got enemies, you know what? If you want to turn those enemies, you know what? You submit them to God. Say, let us go. And God will convert your worst enemy into your best friend when your worst enemy knows the God you serve. Let us go. That is the focus. Let us go. Who are you bringing As a, as a close, is there anybody here that knows somebody that they want to see over in glory? Is there anybody here that has somebody they really care about that they want to see over there? God sent you to them. And if you never say, let us go, and if they never make it, the conduit that God was using to get that invitation to them was you, and you forfeited it. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go. God bless you today. Maybe there's somebody here on your journey, and you're having a rough time, a rough journey. You're having a rough journey. I get it. I get it. We come here, we decorate ourselves and decorate our aromas that smell like something else and somebody else. You do know that, you know, if somebody says you smell good, that's not you. That's whatever you sprayed on you. <laughs> You're getting too comfortable with the compliments. Yeah, I smell good. Now, that's not natural. Not naturally. Whatever you put on you, right? If anybody says you're a good person and now, you know, you encourage them, it's not you. It's the Jesus on you. Right? And so we're inviting people. Maybe your journey has been riddled with sickness. There's somebody in here, you've been dealing with sickness after sickness, and it's not always yours. Somebody in your family gets sick, and while they get sick, somebody in your family.